Stacy and Devin. The internet tells us that we're a health and wellness podcast, but you won't find any professional advice here. <laughs> That's right. We are just here to share our journeys so that hopefully our failures make you feel better about yours. Uh, Devin, is there a category for just relatable podcasts? I don't know. Probably. Let's be that. <laughs> Sounds good. So, hey, Stacy. Hey, Devin. How are you? Good. How are you? I am good. Mm-hmm. I am a, you know, it's it's a it's a balmy whatever temperature it is right now. Colder than here. Gonna, gonna be negative three de- or five or something. Yeah. Degrees. Let's Bowser. What is it right now? Seven seven two. It is currently. Why do you have to do this to me? I just want to know what the weather is. Yes, just 13 degrees. Wow. And uh, it's going to be negative five tonight, according wow. to this. So we'll see. Yep. Yeah. It's been snow. We've been snowed in. So uh, we didn't have, I didn't have work on Monday because it was Martin Luther King Day. Yeah. Uh, I didn't have work today. And I'm not going to have work tomorrow. So we're having like an extended like nice. winter vacation. Yeah. And we got to play in snow. So it's been fun. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Good. How about you? You just came back from the tropics. So this has to be a bit of a. <laughs> I did. I, it's a very big shock. Let me just tell you. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. yes, it was. So we went to, I don't know if I, I, I know I said that we were going to the beach, but we went to Turks and Caicos, which is very close to the equator. And yes, yes. So it was between the low was 77 and the high was 80 every day all year round like we asked them we're like does it get colder or hotter or whatever and they were like no it's just the same all the time oh man yeah so well, i mean i guess that makes sense because it's always yeah you know uh pointing towards the sun yeah. but at the same level yeah <laughs> it's not yeah. like it goes to you know what i'm gonna not do my my science lesson today we're just gonna keep <laughs> Yes. So, but interesting enough, so I don't know if we mentioned this on the recording. I know we talked about it off the recording, but I don't know if we actually uh, put it on the recording. But I always, when we start an episode, I always clap so that we can sync up and so their audio is matched. And yes, when I clap, I always go three, two, one, clap. Well, yes. I don't know, like a month ago or a little more, I did one, two, three clap. And you were like, yes. what the heck, Stacy? What did you do? <laughs> and uh, so that happened. Thought it was a one-off. No big deal. Just like, oh, I'm just off, you know, it's a little confused. We haven't recorded in a while. Um, uh-huh. Well, we were on vacation. So we were there with the, well, with my in-laws. So James's side of the family, a couple members, his like uh, mom, stepdad, his aunt, um, his aunt's son, which I think is a cousin. Is that how that works? That's how that works, yes. Okay, yes. Okay. Your aunt's so, son is a cousin. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so, cousin, and then his stepbrother and his uh, sister in law, which would, I don't know, it, like, right? Because if the stepbrother gets married, that's his stepsister in law. I don't know. Anyway, very yes, complicated. Stepsister in law. Yeah. Okay. So yes. then to me, is it a step, a step, don't even worry about what so, okay. it's to you. It's, it's nothing to you. <laughs> nothing, nothing. Okay. And they're two-year-old. They have, well, I'm not sure if she's exactly two yet, but she's close to two. 
She's too ish. Yes. Um, <laughs> and so, okay. One of the things that we always do when we get together with uh, James's mom and stepdad is we play the card game Phase Ten. And oh yes, I have actually played that game. Okay. Okay. Yes. So I know a little bit. I've only played it once, okay. and it was very confusing, and I wasn't entirely sure that I liked it. But oh. I have I have played it. Okay. Okay. We're good. <laughs> yes. So in Phase 10, even though it's its own deck of cards, but it with any deck of cards, I would always arrange the cards from highest to lowest, with highest being on the left side, lowest being on the right side. And so when I laid my cards down, James has always said that I laid my cards down backwards. And I'm like, okay, no, like this makes sense to me, you know, or whatever. Well, I was trying to put my hand together and my brain was like, I didn't feel strongly one way or the other. And I had no, I was like, how, how do I normally do this? I don't know. I think my brain oh, is changing, man. Devin. Oh, no. Uh, perimenopause. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, maybe. That's not where I was going with it, but Maybe. <laughs> I was thinking more like I'm just being I don't know. Wired. I'm blaming everything on that at this particular okay. at this particular point in okay. my life. All right. Okay. Sure. It's like what 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 uh what age are you are you coming up on? Like next week you're going to be what now? 41. <laughs> I think I'm still I a little early. Menopause. No, I think I'm still <laughs> a little early. Yeah. My mom hit it around. I mean, not that I have to hit it around the same time she did, but she was like 50 three-ish for menopause or perimenopause well for menopause well probably menopause remember i don't think you're in perimenopause that was 10 years you i mean it takes it's several years of perimenopause it's not like you it's like you can do it right before you it's like it's a it's a very long period of time well yes (laughs) but i figured it was like a year or two no it's longer i've had i I've had it for like three years at least. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. It's true. Um, just saying, could be not, or it could just be that your brain is is having a you're, you're having an identity crisis. Yes, I think that's that's the way I'm leaning. Is more okay that my <laughs> values, my why, my well values, but also just my brain is being rewired. I'm changing the way I'm thinking about things. True. That could be it. Yeah. I I know that mine is probably changing because I'm not um, imbibing any type of alcohol. That's true. For um, over 16 days now. Yeah. That's, uh, yeah. You want to talk about that? How's that going so far? Give us a mean. Yeah. uh, I mean, it's not really a teaser. It could just be like a quick update. It's going good. It's, um... I felt really good like the first couple of weeks and now it's kind of normalized. I'm just like, eh. Yeah. You're just kind of like, yeah, this is it. This is all. This is this what is, I am. This is the new normal. Um, but there are times when I'm like, I really miss drinking, especially like these snow days. have been. <laughs> it's just yeah. like, because there doesn't seem to be anything that would be better than to just have like a little whiskey drink, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yep. On a Warm nice your cool belly. snow day. Yeah, exactly. Um, yep. So that's that's been a little you know, me, but, um, I have lots of other drinks I've been drinking, which I can share at some point. So, okay. Yeah. When we do our January recap. Yes, exactly. Yes. Um, all righty then. 
What are you drinking? Speaking of drinking. <laughs> well, I am drinking alcohol tonight. <laughs> um, I am drinking a, um, well, it's from the local brewery here, uh, Crooked Crab Brewing. And Crooked Crab. It is their still crustacean, which is an imperial stout. But the uh-huh. problem is, it's about a 12% alcohol volume. Oh. So it's a little strong. And I feel like, I wonder if that's like, if that is a quality of an imperial stout. Because oh. I really enjoy uh, North Coast, I think, breweries, Rasputin. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is an imperial stout as well. And it is a high gravity beer. Yeah. So I wonder if that is a... The marker like of the imperial? Just, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's imperial if it uh, gets, you, gets you drunk a little bit quicker than your regular stout. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, well, awesome. These are 16 ounces versus the 12 ounces. So they're even a little more dangerous. Oh, man. Yeah. And I'm on my second So by one, the... So. Oh, man. Well, this will be a fun episode. <laughs> yeah. I'm excited. Oh, Stacy might be slurring a little, but, you know, whatever. I'll say, or do you have anywhere to go tomorrow? <laughs> no, I work from uh, home tomorrow, so. Heck yes. And I'm, a, I'm not really snowed in, but kind of snowed in. We got four inches, which, from what I understand, Knoxville got, like, eight inches. Yeah, yeah. We, I mean, it was ridiculous here. I, I mean, like I said, Yummy went out into the snow and like disappeared. Um, <laughs> we, the kids have gone out and played in it a lot, which has been awesome because that's something we don't normally get to do. Cause normally it, number one, it doesn't ever snow. Number two, when it does snow, it snows for like two hours and then it's gone. Mm-hmm. So it's like, if you don't hit that two hour window, you don't get to play in the snow. Yeah. But since it snowed all day yesterday, the kids were out like three or four times yesterday playing in the snow. And then today they went out twice playing in the snow um, and it's just been really lovely because they've had a lot of play snow time. Yeah. And, uh, they have really enjoyed it. But yeah, I mean, like I go out there and it's all the way up to like halfway, you know, up to my knee. It's like, <laughs> yeah. I just like sink into the snow and I'm like, what? I can't see my feet. Yeah. Um, what world is this? Yeah. And, uh, the kids have made it's not sticky it's very powdery snow mm-hmm. so they haven't been able to make any type of like snow men creatures or whatever but they've really enjoyed burrowing in the snow <laughs> okay yeah i don't understand why you guys are like getting down and digging in the snow yeah in, on your bellies but whatever i mean you do you yeah um but they have they have quite enjoyed it I, um, and I've enjoyed just because it's so pretty. Yeah. It's been really pretty to walk around in and be like, oh, look at the snow. Yeah, it is pretty. Um, well, I am not drinking alcohol. I am drinking, um, a Tezo, uh, organic chai. Um, it's called regenerative organic chai. Mm -hmm. I don't know, um, tea with some milk some cruise farm milk um which uh just has milk and um talking about ingredients list which will come to bear and what what our topic is yes and then um honey which that ingredient is only honey now i have so i have this regenerative organic chai which i really don't even know where where it came from um 
And then I also have the Tezo brand, uh, just regular old classic chai. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, what the hell is the difference between these two? Mm-hmm. Why is one organic and one is ch- one is is classic? Also, why is it regenerative? I don't know. So I looked at the at the ingredient list, and the ingredients are absolutely exactly the same, <laughs> except that all of the ingredients are organic. <laughs> Mm-hmm. On the organic one, and they are just regular on the regular one. Now, I'm not entirely sure how you get organic black pepper or organic cardamom or mm-hmm. organic cloves, but this particular uh, packaging has um, said that that is what it does. Now, also, thinking along the lines of packaging, the other thing that I noticed is that both of these um, products, obviously Tazo, is a Unilever. Um, that's like the the food company that produces mm-hmm. it. Yep. And uh, that comes to bear because there <laughs> there's a lot of of talk about Unilever in uh, the book that we'll be talking uh, about today. Okay. So anyway, but as far as I know. <laughs> No ultra-processed food ingredients in my tea. All right. Um, Now, my Godiva dark chocolate, that's a whole other story. But we'll get there when we get there. Okay. 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 (laughs) So, anyway, I guess we could that. Our our topic today is ultra-processed foods. Mm -hmm. Um, And specifically... There was like a podcast that we listened to mm-hmm. um, that was about, oh, why do I not have anything ready? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I mean, uh, it was about ultra processed foods. Uh, it, yes. But it, I can help you with a couple tidbits, which was um, they interviewed the doctor and journalist Chris Van Tolken. T-U-L-L-E-K-E-N? Yes. Um, He had started by just researching childhood obesity and basically found that he found this correlation between childhood obesity and ultra-processed foods. Right. And uh, he recently wrote a book called Ultra-Processed People, The Science Behind Food That Isn't Food, Mm -hmm. um, which I am 300 pages in. Okay. So I've only got 76 more pages to go. Okay. So you're really <laughs> but You said not... you were 65%. That's like 95%. <laughs> well, I read another like 20% while I was putting Kess to bed tonight. Okay. So. <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> yeah. But it's, so I've got notes and whatever just to share from that as well. Okay. Anyway, but uh, in, in this podcast, he was basically... I guess he was kind of talking a little bit about his book um, and about the, he's talking about the research that he did and which of course he talks about in his, in his book as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically he talks about the fact that there's only one cause of pandemic childhood obesity and that is the marketing of industrial processed or ultra processed food. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's all, there's been all of this, all of these suggestions about what particular what potentially causes 
this rise in childhood obesity, sugar, uh, carbohydrates, fats, uh, lack of exercise, da 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 da, all this stuff. Um, and he has narrowed it down and say, actually, and it's not even just eating the ultra processed food, it's the marketing of it as mm-hmm. well. The fact that it's marketed to kids and kids are therefore inclined to eat a lot of it because yes. they're like, oh, this is my kid food, you know? Yes. So. So it's interesting um, that you say that yeah. because um, in preparation of a future episode, I've been watching the um, an ep- a series on Netflix called Living to 100 or something like so Making It to 100 Living in the Blue Zones or whatever. Okay. And one of the things they talk about, they visit five different areas where people often live to 100. And in one of them, they're talking about how, uh, you know, the the father or grandfather or whatever, I guess a grandfather, had, you know, was like 100 or whatever. And they're like, these are the things he ate. And they talked about his diet and all that. And they asked the mother of, you know, with, with the child. So I guess his daughter and then their child or the child, um, if she thought that the child would continue to eat like the grandfather. And she Mm -hmm. says, no, because he sees the ads and he sees the marketing for the cool food. And so now all he wants is, you know, like the pretzels or the Doritos or the whatever. And so literally Mm -hmm. in the video, the kid is sitting there and I don't know, the kid's like six or seven or whatever. And he's sitting there eating these processed potato chips and she's like yeah he sees these process the marketing for these processed foods and he wants them so he doesn't want to eat like the grandfather did because that you know that's not cool or whatever you know right right so yeah it's fitting perfectly with what you're saying exactly um there's a there's an anecdote that he talks about in the book where he there's a, I think it was Nestle had created a boat to go like up the river, up the Amazon River um, to market to these, these very rural, very like, you know, off the grid kind of country, you know, little towns and villages and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so it was basically like a floating market of just ultra processed food. And they were doing it under the guise or whatever of, hey, we're going to provide uh, nutritious food to these people who don't have access to nutritious food. Um, But really what they were doing was just getting kids hooked on Kit Kats. I mean, like, Mm, yeah, you know, that was that was literally all that happened. Um, Mm -hmm. And yeah, so (laughs) it is. uh, It's pretty crazy um, to think about that because individuals in situations like that don't necessarily, you know, if they were to follow what their, you know, parents or grandparents did, they would probably be much better off. Yeah. And it's interesting because I've thought about, you know, I, I've thought a lot about my, cause my grandmother lived to be 93 mm-hmm. and was a very healthy, um, woman for her entire life. Um, even at the end, like, you know, she started to kind of like, lose her mind a bit but it was mostly just because she was 93 (laughs) yeah Um, yeah. you know it wasn't necessarily because she uh had any type of of whatever uh health issue Mm -hmm. and she you know was very big like I remember you know my grandparents had a garden um 
we had chickens, we had cows, we had pigs. Um, so we, we had all of our, most of our meat we had on the farm um, and processed it and ate it. And then, um, and we fished, you know, out of the ponds mm-hmm. and whatever and ate that. Um, and then we had the garden and my grandparents would make stuff out of the garden, you know, mm-hmm. veggies and uh, berries and um, they had fruit trees too. So sometimes if we were lucky, we'd get some fruit and, you know, and so we would go to the, to the grocery store, obviously. And, and obviously there was junk food and there was, you know, whatever, but like the bulk of the meals that my grandparents were used to, cause this is not like, like the livestock I think was an additional thing, but, um, you know, they'd always, they always had gardens. They always had, you know, and it's like, I think that they just always ate that way. Like they just always ate from scratch, you know, made everything like even snack food. I remember as a kid, um, instead of like bags of popcorn, my Mm -hmm. grandmother at first, whenever I was really little, would just have like popcorn kernels and oil, Mm -hmm. um, that she would put in the, um, like she had this popcorn, big plastic thing. I'm not surprised. I don't know how it was microwave safe, but whatever. And she put it in the <laughs> microwave and it would microwave popcorn, but it was like not, not prepackaged. It was like, and I think they probably did some of this stuff just because it was cheaper yeah, um, to do it from scratch, you know, especially back then. Um, but, you know, and then like nacho cheese, she would just like get melt cheese together with milk and like make her, mm-hmm. our own like nacho cheese yeah. and milk. You know, and so it was never like this ultra processed stuff that, you know, I obviously started eating and um, whatever. And I'm like, I wonder if that had something to do with it. Like, maybe that's why, you know, they were so healthy and were so, um, especially her, because my grandfather, I get my bad diet from my, from my papa, because he was the one who would like, you know, give me Snickers bars and stuff. (laughs) Sneaky so, with Snickers bar. Yes. He was the one who drank Pepsi nonstop. Like it was. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. So the, um, you know, he, and he didn't live as long and he, uh, he got, he got lung cancer. Of course he also was a smoker. I mean, there were a lot of other things, you know, he was like, he was, he worked on the, the nuclear bomb testing. <laughs> like, oh, wow. Yeah. A lot like, of things piling up. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm not going to say that UPF caused his cancer because I do not think that was true. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, he also did not live as long as my grandmother. But anyway, that was a long uh, thing to say. Yes. So, children. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Um, But I guess one of the things we haven't talked about yet. We've, we've talked a little bit about what it is and what it causes, but we haven't really talked about like the definition of ultra processed food, which is kind of interesting in the way that it's um, approached in the, in the podcast uh, episode, but also in the book, because basically he's just like, okay, well, if it's, you know, something wrapped in plastic, it contains at least one item that you would not typically find in your kitchen, then it's probably an ultra-processed food. Yes. Um, but he also says that if it's something that has a health claim on the packet, it's really likely to be an ultra-processed <laughs> food. Yes. 
Uh, so if you go and you're like, oh, yes, all natural, whole grain, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, fortified with vitamins, like all of that means it's probably ultra processed. <laughs> yeah, because you're trying to hide something else by distracting. Distraction! Yes, exactly. Exactly. Um, and, uh, and another thing that he says is that 60% of the food that we eat on average is ultra processed food, which mm-hmm. for me, it's probably more than that, yes. honestly. Yeah. But <laughs> well, it's an average. So, yep, there's going to be people higher and lower. That's true. Um, um, anyway. I think also, um, so part of what I mentioned that he was researching childhood obesity, but part of it was that he noticed in Brazil, uh, obesity was basically unheard of. And then within 10 years, it was a huge problem. And that's when kind of the ultra processed food thing came to life. Um, and I'm actually, I'm not sure if they mentioned this in the podcast or if they mentioned it in blue zones because they have a similar discussion, but, um, Basically, um, the food industry was, they needed, or they figured out a way to produce food cheaper, but it produced Mm -hmm. more food. And so they needed a way to make people eat more food. And that's kind of how we got to this ultra processed and the marketing that is driving all this extra eating. Yes. Yes. Um, And there's actually food that interferes so part of the problem with ultra processed food isn't just that it has these like chemical ingredients, but that they interfere with your hunger hormone. So right. I don't know if mm-hmm. this is the case for you, but 100% if I eat most of the time, if I eat fast food, but the more the ones that I see it with the most is McDonald's or Taco Bell, but I can eat a quarter pounder with cheese and a medium fry. I'll get the combo meal. And I can eat those and feel like when I finish eating them, feel like I never ate anything. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. absolutely. And the same thing with Taco Bell. Like, I'll, I've will i just at this point been like, oh, well, I need to order an extra thing so that I feel full. Because if I just order three tacos, then I don't feel full. But if I yeah. ate three tacos, if I cooked and ate three tacos at home, I would 100% be full. Yeah. Um, no, absolutely. And that's the thing that messes with me the most is that... It's crazy to me to think that eating different foods can trigger different hunger responses um, Mm -hmm. with the things. And so um, I think that's a huge problem because obviously if you're still hungry, you're just going to keep eating. And you've already eaten like double the calories and then now you're still hungry. So what's the point of eating it? And one of the things that he talks about, I don't know if they mention it in the podcast, but it's something that talk that they talk about a lot in the book, mm-hmm. is that part of it is the way that UPF is created. It's so soft that you number one, you eat it really fast, so your your hunger impulses or whatever um, are timed, right? So. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, you're starting to eat. So it'll take a while for your hunger hormone to be like, okay, you're done. Because according to your evolutionary body that's not used to this ultra processed food that's only been around for the last 50 years, Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's supposed to take a long time to eat. Mm -hmm. And so if you've managed to consume all of this before that's happened, then it's still going to register as hungry because... Mm -hmm. 
that's part of it. The other part of it is that the food is designed to be so soft mm-hmm. um, that you don't hardly even need to chew it. Um, that's why, and I think about like, you know, if you're like, oh, I inhaled that burger, like literally you could like inhale your yeah. food. Yeah. Um, and so the chewing also is part of what is signaling to your brain that you're actually eating. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if you're not having to actually chew food <laughs> yeah, or work at it, then your brain's just like, oh yeah, no, I'm, I'm. I'm not I'm still hungry what are you talking about this is just like a smoothie you know like I need some substance and it makes a certain amount of sense because you know it takes a while for food to go down your esophagus and into your stomach and like for all of that to happen Mm -hmm. and so if you're you know it, it would make sense that there had to be other types of regulation in your brain to let you know that you're no longer hungry yeah. and that we've essentially hacked that mm-hmm. um, with these, with this different, with these different types of food. So, yeah. yeah. The other thing about this um, ultra processed food is they can make it addictive. And I think that's what we mostly yes. see with sugar. Um, in fact, one of the bloggers that I follow or YouTubers, I guess <laughs> is the more, uh, current term youtubers which i've talked about her before on this podcast but the uh, beatrice caruso uh, she's doing 30 days with no added sugar so everything she eats for the next 30 days cannot have any added sugar in the yeah. nutritional level and um so i think that's mostly what happens with the ultra processed foods although sometimes they make them just really satisfying to eat like a dorito is and i think this is more when they used to have trans fat and things, they tasted a little better. Now that they've moved to zero <laughs> trans fat, they're not as good. But um, a Dorito has like the perfect texture and flavor and, you know, mm-hmm. you just want to mm-hmm. eat them, you know? Yeah, exactly. Pringles yeah. too. Yeah. There's like a whole, there's a whole chapter on Pringles. In this oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, where it's just designed to literally just make you want to continue to eat them. Um and it was funny because in the book, he's like, my lawyers, it was like a, a footnote. He was like, my lawyers told me that I probably shouldn't say that uh, Pringles is, you know, trying to make their food addictive. But they're, they're literally saying once you pop, you can't stop. <laughs> That's true. That's true. <laughs> like, I feel yeah. like it's okay for me to say that they're <laughs> intending to make their food addictive. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it's really interesting that that is another component that this food does become addictive. And Mm -hmm. he goes on to kind of explain a little bit more in the book that it's complicated, right? Because to say that food is addictive because you need food. So Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, you know, you have to eat it. Yeah, right. Yeah. So it's uh part of why this is such a complicated thing is because it's it's messing with a you know part of your body that you like you need you need to have food and you have very specific like your body is is wired to be hungry to search out specific types of flavor there's a whole thing i had no idea i learned so much reading this book where like different smells and different tastes 
are all linked to what types of nutrients your body needs. So like, and you know, we've talked about this before, like if you're craving something, you're probably craving a specific, you know, thing that your body needs more of. Mm -hmm. But it's like so much more um, nuanced and like detailed. It's not just like, oh, if you're craving chocolate, you obviously need... um, whatever chocolate has in it, antioxidants or what? I don't even yeah. know. Yeah. Um, but it's like, uh, they've done all these experiments where, you know, like bitter taste versus, um, salty taste. And, um, what do you seek out? And if you are lacking something, do you try to find the other thing? And it's just, it's, it's so fascinating that it's, that it's to that level. But, what happens with ultra processed food is that the people who create it like trick you into thinking that you're getting some type of nutrient that you're not because of the way it tastes. Yeah. So it's like, you know, you're getting, um, you know, some type of, it's called umame, I think is how yes. you say it, but it's mm-hmm. like a, uh, not like a savory, I guess it's kind of like a savory taste. Yeah. Ish. Um, and so that's like something that's usually, uh, connected to like a really high protein, high fat type of, um, thing that you would get that would be good and nourishing for your body. But if you're eating a Pringles, you're not getting (laughs) protein, you may be getting some fat, but you're not getting anything, any type of like really good food that your body needs. Right. No. Um, and so I thought that was really interesting too. It's like these flavor profiles just hack things. And like that's another thing that it talks about with sugar is that it has a whole thing on soda mm-hmm. and how um, soda is basically, ha- has basically made it really, it's basically like broken people from their, from their sense of sweetness mm-hmm. because naturally, and this is something I never realized, um, you people would not just eat and eat and eat sugar like you you feel sick if you eat things that are too sweet yeah and the reason why you can drink so much coke is because um the sugar content is um is like balanced out by the acid and the other stuff that's like sour in Mm -hmm. there um an acidic so they they have so much sugar but you can handle it in a coke because you're um it it, it, it you have all that that sour stuff to like make up for it so you're like oh this isn't so sweet um because if you were just drinking you know like a thing of honey mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> like you would not drink that much because you would be like oh god bleh. yeah yeah um so I thought that was really fascinating too. And the fact that so many of these um, people who, or, you know, companies that create uh, UPF or ultra processed foods will do things like that. will like tweak the flavor profile so that you will consume more sugar. Like, why would they do that? Yeah. <laughs> what is the purpose? Um, and there's also a thing and I don't really remember because it was a few days ago when I read it, but about how sweeteners are also really um, problematic because what happens with sweeteners is that people will drink, you know, the thing that has a sweetener in it, like the Mm -hmm. diet Coke or whatever, but because they have no actual nutrition that their, you know, their hunger centers don't get, 
at all ever like satiated Mm -hmm. but they taste the thing so their body really wants it and so Mm. it just makes them want to seek out more things yeah yeah i was like oh my gosh so this is like super it's such a it's such an interesting and complicated thing yeah (laughs) topic i definitely believe in the like um if you're craving something specific then you are missing some whatever that food per, provides. But yeah. I can see how that can get confusing with ultra processed foods because like you might be just be craving it because of the taste or the texture exactly. or the whatever. And so you're tricking your brain into thinking, I need this thing, but really you don't. You just want the satisfaction of that thing. So there's like exactly. two different things. Yeah. 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 Um it was it was really interesting. And so the what basically is happening, like the the premise of the book and the premise of of his study was that in order to there were like two studies that had ha- had gone on about ultra processed foods and he had read the studies, studied the studies and started working with a lab that like a medical lab or whatever on creating a trial that they could do to study it further. Mm-hmm. And before they could create the trial, like the the experiment on to do on people, they were going to, like, he, he volunteered to be the first, like, patient zero mm-hmm. in, <laughs> in this trial. And so basically he spends, I think it was like 30 days he ate, um nothing but whole foods or something like that or like a very low UPF diet and then he ate he then takes a month of eating just 80% ultra processed food Mm -hmm. and so he's documenting his journey in that in this book along with all this other research and science that he has found to kind of explain things and so basically he, whenever he was doing that for a month, he gains um, over six kilograms, which I didn't check to see how many pounds that is. So I probably, uh, see six kilograms equals how many pounds? Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> that doesn't really make any sense to me at all. 13 pounds. So, yeah. So six, in a month, he yeah. gained almost 20 pounds. That's a lot. That is a lot. Um. And he also had brain scans. And whenever the he did the brain scans, it basically showed that there was an increase of connection between the habit automatic part in the back of the brain and the reward addiction bits in the middle. Yeah. So he had created a, a, uh, a circuit for addiction in this month um, that he could see on the brain scan. And then at the beginning, he was responding normally to his hunger hormones, but at the ending, his hunger hormones were sky high. So those were like the three major things that he saw um, during his during his time. Yeah. <laughs> I think, um, I know you were talking specifically about his test, but I think one thing that we haven't mentioned yet that's pretty important is that he found that um, eating ultra-processed foods in teens does affect brain development. 
Um, yes. He did yes. not mention, at least in the podcast, because I did not read the book, just to clarify. Um, I did not read the book. But in the podcast, the, he didn't mention anything about changing adult brains. But he did say that if teens eat ultra-processed foods, it actually does. Like, there is scientific proof that it affects the development of the brain in teens. Yes, absolutely. Um, and he goes on to, like be really concerned about, okay, so what happens with little kids? We don't even know, you right. know? Mm-hmm. Um, and all of this is marketed so specifically to children and to teens. You know, mm-hmm. if you look at a McDonald's commercial, who are they, who yeah. are they marketing that to? You yeah. have, you know, kids meals with toys and all of these places you have, um, you know, cartoon characters and bright colors and, um, I mean, someone with kids, I, I know how this marketing works because I get to watch. <laughs> I get to watch my children be like, I want to eat at McDonald's. I want to eat here <laughs> yeah. because of, you know, the toys that they're trying to get or because they've been trained to to think that it's really, really good. Yeah. Um, so it's, uh, yeah. Um. Let's see. There was one other thing I was going to try to find, if I can find it. Okay. Which was basically um, what kind of like a breakdown of all the different things that UPF does. Um, So the science tells us that ultra-processed food basically uh, destroys the food matrix Um, and the food matrix is like what makes up a food. So like if you have an apple, the food matrix is the fact that there is a, there's happy, fleshy, juicy stuff inside a a peel. Mm -hmm. And so if you mush that up and turn it into apple puree, you have destroyed the food matrix of that Uh, apple. Okay. Um, so, you know, in some processing is is not ultra processed but the more you process it the less like the food it becomes mm-hmm. so, yes because there um, is a difference between processed food because okay if we back it up versus the whole food diet which is you can only eat whole food so like you could only eat apples but right if you eat processed then yes applesauce is an acceptable level of processing but then right. uh applesauce with high fructose corn corn syrup added right the ultra processed exactly yeah or any of those emulsifiers or yes. um lectins or whatever the hell yes <laughs> yes yeah. they put in this stuff yes. like any of that no the answer is no um upf is typically very high calorie um and so you get more calories per mouth mouthful mm-hmm. it ends up displacing your diverse whole foods from the diet. So this is especially a problem with like low income groups because they're, you know, just trying to find something that's cheap and easy um, and something that their kids will freaking eat. Uh, (laughs) And, and, you know, that they don't have that whole diverse, especially they may have come from a cultural background, (laughs) like I did, of like, you know, peas being you know boiled and and cooked from you that you picked in the garden and you boil in you cook them um and then you serve them and people eat them mm-hmm. uh my kids don't eat peas like that no. <laughs> they, don't eat, they don't eat peas at all yeah 
So um, the mismatch between the taste signals from the mouth and the nutrient content um, alters the metabolism and appetite that we're still trying to figure out. It's addictive. Um, the emulsifiers, preservatives, modified starches, and other additives damage your microbiome. Oh, I forgot to talk about that. So um, basically your gut. <laughs> yeah. So all of the stuff you, you've got, you know, and this chapter on this is also just mind blowing. It's like you have a entire universe of bacteria in your gut that you have inherited through DNA for years and years and years from your family and then um, and your and your ancestors and then you fill it full of UPF and it damages the hell out of it and mm-hmm. like totally screws it up. Um, and so I thought that was really interesting too. Um, the convenience price and marketing of UPF makes us want to eat it constantly and not think about the fact that it's bad for us. Mm-hmm. Um, the additives and physical processing affects us uh, so that we don't get full, mm-hmm. which we talked about already. Um, the, and then the production methods that are used to make this require so much in environmental destruction and carbon emissions, plastic pollutions that like it's also destroying the earth on top of the fact <laughs> that it's destroying, you know, it's causing childhood obesity and it's like totally screwing with like all of these systems in our body. It's also destroying the earth. So, ta-da. <laughs> <laughs> so, the worst. Literally So the basically worst. it is like, it is the worst thing. Yes. <laughs> um, the one thing that I will say he talks about in the podcast too, um, this was a quote I think somebody told him and it like clicked with him. Mm-hmm. This isn't food. It is an industrial produced edible substance. Yes. It has no nourishing value. Its purpose is to generate profit. Yep. So like the whole purpose of UPF is to make companies more money. Mm-hmm. Um, and... His view was that while he was going through this through this um, diet mm-hmm. of eating so much UPF in a month, um, he was learning all this bad stuff about it. So he said that it was kind of like the cigarette, the quitting cigarette um, uh, theory where you like just completely begin to associate cigarettes with the idea of what's inside them and what it's doing to you and all of that stuff Mm -hmm. to the point where you get disgusted by them. Okay. And so for him, that was, that really worked because after he had gone through this process, he was just like, I never want to eat anything Mm -hmm. processed again. Um, so, you know, that could be a suggestion. Um, I will say I haven't, there's a part, there's a chapter in the book that's like, uh, what do I do if I want to stop eating UPF? Mm-hmm. Um, and I have not gotten to that chapter yet, so I don't know how to do it. Okay. I do know just like looking at, you know, like, okay, so Godiva, dark chocolates, um, you know, which are a tasty and not so bad treat, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, sugar, unsweetened chocolate processed with alkali. What? Mm, yeah. Cocoa butter, yeah. palm oil. Palm oil is apparently um, not good. Palm kernel oil, butter oil. <laughs> what? All of this and like just a little chocolate? Yes. 
milk powder, skim milk, emulsifier, soy lecithin, lecithin, which is one of the major ones that's that's bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and then natural flavor. What? Yeah. <laughs> what natural flavor what? is it? Natural. Yeah. But so much of the emulsifiers and stuff that they put in there are to, number one, try to make it so that they don't have to worry about things like bacteria and whatever happening in the, um, um, you know, in the pro- in the production process mm-hmm. because they're, they're creating so much at a time that it's hard to, like, keep quality control. Mm-hmm. So part of this is, is that. And the other part is to, like, keep it preserved and looking and, and, and being a certain shape and being a certain texture. Um which is easier to do if you're using these additives. Yeah. And it's just like, oh, dude. Yeah. (laughs) So all of my food, dude. (laughs) So what was funny was I I think I hinted to this, this to you offline, but I said I found something that was really surprising that was not technically, if you're going off of the definition that ultra processed is one wrapped in press plastic, but two, uh, uh, um, it contains something that's not normally found in a traditional kitchen. Yes. Um, and so I found something that wasn't, by that definition, ultra processed. Um, it was Fritos. So the original corn chip Fritos. Okay. The, is not UPF? No. The only ingredients that they have, I turned it around because this is when I'd already listened to the episode, but we hadn't yeah. recorded this obviously yet. And so I got some someday at a gas station because I was feeling a little queasy. We were on the road that day and I was like, you know, just a salty snack will help kind of settle my stomach. And so I'd been thinking about the ultra processed foods and I turned it around. Literally, it has three ingredients, which are. What are they? Corn, vegetable oil, and salt. And that's it. That's the only ingredients for Fritos. Wow. Yeah. Yes. And so I was like, holy crap. Like, of all things, I would definitely expect them to be ultra processed. But it appears that they are only processed, not ultra processed. Interesting. Going by that definition. So there's still hope. That is true. (laughs) I will also say that like blue um, tortilla chips, blue corn tortilla chips. Yep. And I think also you could probably get just like regular tortilla chips that are Mm -hmm. this way too. Um you can get those that are, th- and I think, again, it's because it's corn, right? So it's like right. corn and, you know, salt and yeah, whatever. So as long as you don't get one that is ultra processed, then yeah. it's, uh, it's, you can, you can still have chips, <laughs> just, yeah. just not Doritos or Pringles. <laughs> right. Yes. Yes. <laughs> or Cheetos. Yes. Well, or I'm actually interested. I haven't looked at the ingredient statement on Cheetos, but I was watching a show today and they talked about how Cheetos Unlike most cheese products, Cheetos are actually made with dehydrated cheese. They're not, like, it's not a fake cheese product. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, so I have not checked the ingredient list, and so I don't know for I'm sure. I'm going to guess there's an emulsifier. In yeah, there. <laughs> yeah, probably, probably. But I'm interested in that. So I definitely, and maybe maybe February, because since you're doing dry January, um, for... February, maybe we could do no processed foods. Yeah, I mean, it would be better to do that on a on a month that we don't have as many 
days. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. Because it's definitely going to be hard. And I think at this point, we're giving ourselves a little time because I think we're going to have to prepare and look at yes. things and maybe bounce things off of each other because, like, we just bought some chicken nuggets um, and they are, their brand is just bear and they're called, um, you know, bear lightly breaded chicken nuggets. And looking at the ingredient list, it's boneless, uh-huh. skinless chicken. Okay. Okay. Water. Fine. Okay. Seasoning. And the seasoning yep. is sugar, salt, paprika, celery, salt. Uh, so that seems okay. Yeah. Um, rice starch. We're starting to get a little iffy. Okay. Yep. And then breaded with wheat flour. Okay. Sugar, salt, non-fat dry milk. Now, dry hmm. milk is not something that I would find in my kitchen, but right. I do know that, um, like, uh, so my grandmother used to foster kids and she would get, like, basically, it was basically welfare food that she would get yeah. every month. And she would get the uh, dry, dehydrated milk. Yes. Uh, so. Powdered milk. I don't know if that's ultra processed or not, because I don't know hmm. the process. Um, I think dry, dried egg whites, which I think is something that could be found in a normal kitchen. Baking powder, spice, paprika, vegetable oil. So... So, yeah, the two ingredients I have the question about is non-fat dry milk and rice starch. Yeah. See, and that's, it's interesting because there's a whole chapter in this book. Well, not a whole chapter, but a part of a chapter about xanthan, xanthan gum. Yeah. Um, and about how gross that is. And, like, we have xanthan gum. Like, I have it. <laughs> we oh. literally have it oh. in our... Um, because in our because uh, it's a low carb thing, ah. we used it for a thickener whenever we were doing low carb for Thomas, and I mean God, I don't even know how long we've had it, but I mean it doesn't go bad because it's it's yeah. not real food, right? Right. <laughs> um, but but yeah, but then I was like, oh my God, and he, uh, I think it was like xanthan gum specifically, uh is like will like create a new bacteria food chain in your in your Whoa. belly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there's like a specific bacteria that only eats xanthan gum and then there's a bacteria that only eats the bacteria that only eats xanthan gum and it's not part of your belly unless you start eating xanthan gum. <laughs> it's like oh shit. Yeah. You've created a monster. <laughs> Don't know. Um and it's funny because Thomas is like having a lot of like, I'm sure he wants me to talk about this on the podcast, uh, you know, <laughs> like gastrointestinal issues right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm just like, yeah, maybe you should yeah <laughs> feeding ultra processed foods. Yes. Apparently it kills your microbiome. Yeah. Um, and that's bad. So. Yeah. Yeah. So that'd be interesting. I just don't know how it, it's going to take some planning. Cause yeah. Uh, I've definitely tried to be even let like eat less UPF since this happened. And I have mm-hmm. like, I definitely have stopped eating like fast food and stuff. Like I, I ate a little bit and it made me feel sick yeah. the other day just because I was like traveling Thinking and about I had it. to eat something. Yeah. And it was just like, I just can't even eat this. Like I just can't. Yeah. Um, But okay. it's, so- it's going to be tough. 
Yeah. Yeah, maybe the rule for February is that um, if we have a question about an item, we it has to be something that we both have in our kitchen. So, because it, the rule <laughs> is in a normal kitchen, and obviously I don't think most people don't have xanthan gum. Um, Probably not. <laughs> yeah. So maybe, like, if I see something and I'm like, is this ultra processed or not? It'll be a question of, is this something that you would buy or not? Right. That makes sense. Maybe. I don't know. I'm just throwing that out there. Yeah. I don't know. No, we can figure. I mean, we can figure it out. Yeah. Honestly, I think that if we can just, you know, get it down to where <laughs> it's like yeah. most of the stuff we're eating is uh, is not ultra processed, we'll probably be in good shape. Yeah. <laughs> I think we could call it a win. That's true. I'll have to get a bread maker. Yeah. <laughs> no, I want to do, I want to make sourdough bread. Yes, me too. Which has um, uh, extra, which has actually, again, a teaser for Blue Zones, because <laughs> I've been watching it. I need to stop <laughs> until we record the episode. But um, sourdough bread apparently has uh, something in it that actively reduces uh, the uh, blood sugar or diabetes or whatever. So, really? Um, yes, because it was talking about the people in Italy, and it was like, yeah, they eat tons of bread and pasta. But they eat sourdough, which actively reduces glucose. That was the word I was looking for. The, oh, um, wow. Glucose. So um, I don't know if Thomas likes sourdough. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, good. So I think that would actually be okay for him to eat, regardless of the nutritional table. They're saying that it has like a natural deterrent to diabetes. Huh. We may have to check that out. Yeah. We've been eating a lot of sourdough because Kess, Kess. Oh, really love sourdough. Mm, And Kess is a sourdough snob. Kess wants Mm. fresh baked from uh, a local bakery sourdough (laughs) um, and will not will not handle does not want any other type of of sourdough. So has she had the sourdough from Cracker Barrel? No, the sourdough from Cracker Barrel. Well, I don't I haven't had it recently because I don't even know if they still have it, but because uh, they changed their menu a, menu a little bit during COVID, but um, they have amazing sourdough. Okay, yeah, we got so there's a, a to take home. bakery in um, South Knox. It's called like Sono Sourdough, mm-hmm. and um, they are a supplier for Three Rivers Market. Mm. And so we found a just like this big round of sourdough one day, and Kess just like happily munched on half of the loaf in the back yeah (laughs) um just because whatever um this is how i parent but (laughs) we uh so it's either that or tomato head will do tomato head has a like flower head bakery yes that they they have sourdough and both of these are like pure all it is is like the sourdough that you would get because if you go to a grocery store and you get sourdough um they have added stuff in it. <laughs> yes. It, it is not real sourdough. Uh, and Kes can tell and does not like. So <laughs> <laughs> all that to say is yes. Uh, the good news is that Thomas uh, works with someone who also makes her own sourdough bread and apparently is willing to give us a starter and a recipe. So that cool. may be, that may happen sooner rather than later for us. Yeah. And I don't need a bread maker for that one. Nope. <laughs> That's always a plus. 
Yes, it is. Yes, yes. it is. Because I don't have any money to spend on a bread maker. Right no. Now. <sighs> Anyhow, well, I guess we've we've uh, kind of explored that topic. More to come. It yes. sounds like we may be uh, exploring different branches of this. Yes. In the coming in the coming weeks and months. Yes. So that'll be that'll be exciting. Mm-hmm. But. Yeah, I thought it was, uh, it's definitely, it's really interesting because the, the word that I chose for um, this year was clarity. Mm-hmm. And I realized that this was like clarity in my diet. Yeah. And not necessarily like clearing out my diet, but at least having clarity about what I'm eating. Yes. And that was really cool because that was an unexpected connection, an mm-hmm. unexpected goal. Um in the middle of all this other stuff. So yeah. that was that was neat. And like last was it last weekend? Um I I wasn't feeling great. So I was I had all this stuff planned like I always do, but then I like said no, I'm just staying home. Mm-hmm. And then I batch cooked basically because we have an air fryer. We got an air fryer for Christmas. Mm-hmm. And so I like made chicken um and I made uh tortilla soup. And I made squash casserole. And so I made like all this stuff and I was like very specifically trying to use only, um, you know, non-processed ingredients and the stuff that I was making. Yeah. And, uh, and it was really cool. And and I, and I liked it. I, I was like, normally when I cook, I don't like it because as I've met, mentioned before, I just get really stressed out about it. Mm-hmm. But I was cooking in the middle of the day and I had no obligations. Like all I had to do was just cook. Mm-hmm. And it was like a Saturday. And so I just like turned on some music and I was just like being very like chill with it. Mm-hmm. I didn't have to worry about like actually getting stuff done, you know, in time. Yeah. And I was just like, this is, I could cook. If this is how I cooked, like I could, I could do this. Yes. I could cook like one day a week and then not worry about it the rest of the time. Like yeah. That, that I could do. Yeah. Uh, it did take a long time because I cook like basically meals for the entire week. Yeah. Um, but, but it was good. I was very pleased with the way everything turned out too. So. Oh, well good. Yeah. Ta-da. Yeah. I love their fryers. <laughs> that's the only way to eat reheated fries. So, like, if you go to a restaurant and get oh. fries and then bring them home, if you put them in the microwave, yeah. they're disgusting. I mean, borderline unedible, and I love potatoes. Um, yes. But you put them in an air fryer, they're just as crispy as if you had hmm. just eat, eaten them. That's good. I just realized that I think we have french fries, frozen french fries in the freezer, mm-hmm. and I have yet to use the air fryer to actually Ooh, make french fries. Do How it. have I not done that yet? I don't know. I need to do it before I can't eat processed food. Yes. <laughs> this is a requirement. All right. That's what I'll have for my late night snack. That yeah. is the one thing that I, I, now that I'm not drinking alcohol, um, I think I've replaced those uh, calories within late night snack. Yep. Oh, so. Uh-oh. But. That's a that's a problem for future Devin. Yes, yes, yeah. That's a, <laughs> a future goal. Yes. Well, I love you, Stacey. I love you too. And I will talk to you next week. Okie dokie. All right. Okay. Bye. Bye. 
a Hoots Media production. Hoot, 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 hoot